0: So what would you do if 10, 20 years down the line, your child turns out to be not the person you wanted them to be? What would you do or say, or how would you handle it if in the end, you're disappointed with who they are? You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital, I'm a mindful parenting coach and the mother of four, and I'm here to help you, my fellow imperfect parents, to reclaim a sense of presence and play and peace in your life, even while raising little children. In essence, I want to help you to enjoy the process, to enjoy them while they're young, and I know that you already do, but also it's stressful and it's difficult, and I wanna focus on supporting you, on your mindset, on your lifestyle, on your time management, on all of the things that help you to show up and be the parent that you want to be. Today, I want to talk about this idea that somewhere off in the future, our children might veer, uh, you know, veer away from the path that we hoped for them. A lot of us have witnessed this around us and all of us have seen this on popular media, on, you know, TV and movies. This idea of the child who somehow does something that disappoints the parent. Typically and traditionally, it's because they leave the religion or the way of life that the parent, uh, you know, expects of them and has indoctrinated them in. Or maybe it's because they turn out to, uh, you know, run with the wrong kind of group or dress the wrong kind of way, or listen to the wrong kind of music, or behave promiscuously, or do drugs, or experiment with different things, or come out of a closet, whichever closet that happens to be that will upset that particular parent. They turn out that they don't want to be a doctor, they want to be a lawyer, or they're not straight, they're gay, or whatever it is that the parents, you know, hold deeply to be the most important thing that this child should do, and then the child eventually turns out to say, well, actually, my inner truth and my choice is different from what you expected me to be. And then there's this pain and this disconnect and this rupture in the relationship between the parent and the child. And I think all of us, at least I'll speak for myself, I think I, as someone who's exploring conscious parenting and respectful, gentle, kind parenting, I'm always looking for ways to connect with my child and to meet them where they are and honor their individual, uh, you know, their authentic selves, their sovereign selves, their autonomous selves, whilst also being a guide, whilst also shaping their, 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 their character, right? Taking those innate character traits, all of their nature, and helping them through nurture to bring out the best in themselves. Uh, To educate them well and to be a good role model for them and to be a good sounding board and a good advisor and someone who has wisdom to share and, and really their guide, right? I always say it to be their guide. And as someone who has a certain set of opinions and, you know, hopes and dreams in the world and ways that I believe the world should run or perhaps you have ideology or religion or politics that you identify with, um, as someone who has all of those attachments, I have this you know fear in my heart sometimes that my children may reject those things, right? Maybe for you it's the idea that your children won't believe in the belief system you believe in or that they won't uh, be vegan or vegetarian or humanitarian or democratic or Republican or whatever it is that you hold you know dear to your heart. You might fear that your children might turn out that way, or maybe that fear has never crossed your mind at all because it's so obvious to you that they will and that they must, and you haven't entertained the thought that they might not. When our children are very young, when they're babies, it's hard to imagine that they might turn out to be anything that we would disapprove of, right? We just have this, most of us feel a strong bond with our baby, we feel this unity, there's this period of time where we're one, right? Especially if you were pregnant and gave birth and you were literally in one body. And then, you know, so close, perhaps you nursed, perhaps you had a lot of skin on skin time and you just feel like you're united, like you're one, And slowly there's that period of differentiation where babies become toddlers and they start to say no and say mine and actually reject us in some ways and disagree with us. And suddenly they become autonomous beings and we realize that we're separate and they realize that they're separate. And then we go through early childhood and it's beautiful and they're learning and they're curious and they're still so, you know, quote unquote, clueless about the world that we're still very much their filter to the truth. We're still very much able to tell them that the world is the way we see it and that they are the way we see it, right? We can define for them who they are and what they're like, right? We can define their gender and their religion and the belief system. We can tell them that Santa exists. We can tell them that God likes this and doesn't like that. We can tell them that this religion is better than that religion or that this country is better than that country or that doing this is okay and doing that is bad. We still have that level of influence. But of course just around the corner are the teenage years, right, where children suddenly become aware of the fact or gradually become aware of the fact that what their parents said and what their parents presented as truth. Isn't so for everybody else in the world. It's not just that one truth. There are other people who disagree. There are other ways of being. There are other schools of thought. And suddenly the influence that their peers have or that the band that they love has or that the website that they go to has can even influence them in a deeper way than their parents. And they can suddenly realize that they are so differentiated, in fact, that they can be completely separate. They can separate from their parents. They can separate themselves. And eventually, through the teenage years, they separate themselves in all areas, right? Physically, they move out. Uh, Financially, they start to become independent, hopefully, right? Um, And ideologically, they also separate. They become uh, more rooted in their own ideology, in their own belief system. They differentiate and they form themselves, right? And here's the crazy thing is that this is what we want. This is what we're going towards. We're raising children who hopefully will think for themselves and therefore will think differently than us and will make other decisions. But on the other hand, I bet if I give you a moment right now, you could make a little grocery list of all the things that you don't want your children to do to choose to believe, right? you could make a little grocery list of things that would offend you. And they might be things that you don't even think of that way because it's so obvious to you that they should be offensive or that they are indeed wrong. So before we go on any further with this, I just wanna let you know that this is episode number 37 and you can find copious show notes for this episode and all of my episodes over at theparentingjunkie.com and this one will be at slash 37. And I would absolutely love it if you could share it out with your friends. And another quick note is that if you have not yet left me a review on iTunes, please do so. It means the world to me. It helps spread this message to further parents around the globe and I read each and every one and they are incredibly meaningful to me and help me to stay energized and focused on this work. So thank you to anyone who's left a review and if you haven't yet, please do. Plus, just grab a selfie or a screenshot. Let me know where you're listening to this episode. I love to see your selfies over on Instagram. You can tag me at Parenting Junkie over there. Back to the show what I want to take the time to do today and thank you so much for tuning in by the way I know you have a million other things you could be listening to but I want to take the time to do something that's pretty unsexy okay it's not like this great tip or trick or something that you can apply right now and design your home and get you know independent play and awesome connection and melt down a tantrum and all these different things it's not one of those things and it's not about early childhood per se but it has everything to do I believe with success in parenting. And I'm defining success in parenting as maintaining a close and healthy, open relationship with our children, where they uh, want to be in relationship with us, where they seek out connection with us, but they feel free to come and go and having that, you know, into their adulthood. So I want to take this episode here today to talk about the long-term vision for our parenting, what we're hoping for in 10, 15, or 20 years down the line, what type of connection we want with that adult, that adult who does not need us, who does not have to listen to us, who is not under our roof, who does not have to do as we say or else, because they literally can switch off their phones and disappear and live wherever they want and do whatever they want. They will be legally separate from us in every aspect of their lives. How do we remain an influence in their lives? How do we maintain a friendship with them? How do we maintain a connection with them at that point? And I believe that is something that starts today. It starts 20 years before then because we're sowing the seeds now for that relationship. And I think one of the keys To having an adult child who chooses to stay connected to us, who wants to call us from time to time, who is happy to celebrate their milestones with us and share their challenges with us and seek support, I think one of the absolute keys to that is for us to accept them for who they are. Now, what does that mean? Let's tease that apart for a minute. Who they are is a dynamic thing, right? We are all changing every single moment. You and I are not the same people now as we were when this podcast started 10 odd minutes ago. We are changing on a cellular level. We're changing on every level, really. Our bodies, our minds, our belief systems, the seasons outside, the people in the world who are alive and who are dead are changing on a nanosecond level. So who your child is, is also changing, right? Accepting them for who they are today is not the same as accepting them for who they are in 20 years. The point is the acceptance itself. The point is going down and, you know, on a deep level, kind of burying under any judgments that we're piling on top of who our child should be and disintegrating those judgments and working on acceptance from the get-go. From now. Acceptance of whoever they turn out to be in 20 or 50 years starts with acceptance for who they are right now. It starts with accepting our child's meltdowns or their, you know, screams or the fact that they're struggling with biting or that they're still addicted to a pacifier or that they're uh, not giving up weaning at night or that they haven't yet learned to walk or that they're having trouble holding a pencil or that they're fighting with other kids on the playground or that they're lying about eating their lunch it starts with accepting those things now but before we go on (laughs) what does acceptance mean I do not mean, when I say acceptance, I do not mean that you don't guide them through those things, that you don't don't teach them to handle those things better, and that you don't set limits and boundaries around what you will and won't allow. That is not what acceptance means to me. Acceptance means, for me, what acceptance means is it means that I differentiate you and you're presenting behaviors or symptoms, okay? If you look at someone who has a rash or who has some kind of illness or who has a cold, they are not their cold, right? You can accept and love them and help them nurse themselves through that cold, right? You can help them to handle that. And what if it's not a cold? What if it's not something that passes? What if it's a permanent handicap? right? What if someone has a physical ailment that is not going away anytime soon? We can accept that too, even without the, you know, fantasy or the goal of healing them from it or changing them. We can help them live a life that's truest to themselves within that context. So we can help a child who is blind, say, live a full, beautiful, incredible, integrated life as a blind person, accepting all of them, accepting that part of them too. So there are different layers of acceptance that I'm trying to kind of walk us through. And that first one was, well, I accept you, but you also have this symptom that is, you know, curable and changeable, and I'm going to guide you into changing it, right? Say, I accept you, and you're having insane, difficult, explosive meltdowns, I accept you. I love you. I connect to you. These meltdowns are something that I'm going to coach you through and help you through. And we're going to, you know, quote unquote, recover from or mature out of or learn to handle, right? That's kind of a first layer of acceptances. I'm differentiating you from your behavior and I'm accepting you. But a deeper level of acceptance And and that, that, that acceptance has its place, right? I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We absolutely must do that. But a deeper level of acceptance is also, I accept that you are, for example, an intense person and that that isn't going to change, right? Just like if you're a blind person, that's usually not gonna change. Maybe, maybe there are some cures for it, but usually that's not gonna change. However, we can channel your intensity or your shyness or your slow pace or your loudness or your aggression or parts of you that are just kind of innately part of your temperament and nature or part of your body or part of your reality, we can channel those parts of you into something that is uh, healthy, that is well-adjusted, that is adaptable, uh, that is put to good use or that at the very least is well-managed, right? So these different kind of levels of acceptance of, am I just saying that we manage the parts of you that I find challenging, or am I saying that we actually integrate them into our lives and that we channel them in a good way? Or am I saying that even they become your greatest strengths and I even appreciate those parts of you, right? Maybe we can even elevate them to be your biggest catalysts for growth or for inspiration or for impact on others or You know, there are so many different ways we can frame up things that initially we thought were a challenge or a handicap, but eventually we realize were a gift. And that's not always possible. Sometimes we stay on the coping level, right? Sometimes we stay just coping with whatever it is that's challenging you and irking you and irking me, right? Making it difficult for me as well. So that's what I mean when I say acceptance. Now let's move into Well, how can we take that acceptance and apply it today, but also apply it to our future children? How can we set a foundation from the uh, very earliest years that whatever closet they come out of, whatever we think is the worst thing that could happen, we can accept, right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking because (laughs) I always have this conversation with people who suddenly say, well, what if my kid's a murderer? I couldn't accept that, right? And my suggestion is, let's not go there, okay? (laughs) I don't believe that that is something that we're going to need to deal with. And if it is... You're going to need to get some professional help to handle that one, okay? I don't know what to say about that. I've never truly meditated on what if my kid becomes a murderer, God forbid. Uh, how would I, you know, handle that or love and accept them? But there are people who have been through that, and perhaps they can guide us. If God forbid, worst case scenario, that happened. Short of that, okay? Short of really, you know, awful, horrific, heinous crimes. What are some closets that your children might come out of that you think now, oh my goodness, that would break me? You know, things like being in a certain uh, religion or in a certain sect or of a certain faith system or committing to a certain lifestyle that you don't believe in or holding certain political views that feel polar opposite to everything that you've tried to, you know, train them in and inspire them in or um, choosing a lifestyle that is just completely different from anything that you have hoped for. Just take a moment now while this music plays and conjure up some of those things. What are some things that you think you would never be able to accept or tolerate? So that that little exercise right there can't have been easy. Coming up with ideas that we really don't wish for our children is not where most of us like to spend our meditative time. And I don't suggest that you spend a long time there. But what I wanna offer us today is just the opportunity to practice a little bit of release around those stories. Because what's happening when we come up with these ideas of things that we really don't want our children to be is that we have a lot of fear come up. A lot of fear that that might happen and what will happen to them if they do make that choice or if they are that type of person? What will happen to them societally, right? How will society treat them? What will happen to them socially, financially, emotionally, physically, if they make all of these different life choices or if they go down these different paths? We have so much fear around that. But I believe that the two choices that parents usually make disconnect us from our children, right? What are those two choices? When our child comes out of a closet that we don't like, and I say closet, and I mean any closet, not just being gay, but any other closet that they might be coming out of, right? That we suddenly discover that, I don't know whatever it is, they're a video gamer and they just want to do video games 24 seven and that's not what we wanted for them. Or, you know, they, they want to, uh, I don't know, never want to get married and have children and that is not what we wanted for them. Or they want to move to a different country and that's not what we wanted for them. Or join the military or not join the military or whatever it is, right? What we usually do is, first of all, we fall into disappointment, right? Right? and we try to change them. We try to convince them. We send them articles or send them to a therapist or talk them blue in the face, right? Who has that image of that parent? Perhaps you had it with your own parent. Maybe you married someone that your family didn't approve of or you chose a religious path that your family didn't approve of or a career path that your family didn't approve of. And then what parents traditionally do is try to exercise their influence. I mean, throughout history, societies have basically shunned those people who don't align with their ideology and their lifestyle. So they've basically threatened abandonment, neglect, you know, shunning, and um, that you would be kicked out of the clan if you didn't align. And that's a big threat. I mean, that is a huge threat if you think about our evolution and how we evolved to be in the safety of the clan and with other people protecting us. Acceptance was actually key to survival for most of human history, I do believe. That, you know, just kind of conforming, conforming was an evolutionary key to su- to survival and to success and so we still have that i think deeply rooted within us and that's why our initial uh, response often to children who speak out or leave or you know take a different path is that we try to change them. We try to turn them back or we try to threaten them. Hey, if you do this, you know, you won't be part of the family anymore. We can't have you over at Christmas if you dress like that. Or we can't, you know, I can't include you in this event or in that uh, inheritance, right? I'll write you out of my will if you do this or that. Those types of threats of what you'll stand to lose. And it's a lot, right? It sounds maybe a little funny, like, oh, money, you're threatening me with money. That's huge, right? That's huge to, to, to remove parental support emotionally, financially, um, socially, because of some disappointment, that's a huge threat for most children, certainly young adults. And so, so we're disappointed, we threaten them, we try to change them, and inevitably, in most cases, uh, only one of two things can happen we lose our relationship with them, right? They, they disconnect from us. They say, okay, it's not worth it. My relationship with my parents is not worth it. Have, have, has anyone listening made that choice where you've basically kind of disconnected from your family and become estranged because it was not worth uh, being with your parents or your in-laws or whoever it was because they wanted you to change who you were? That's the first loss that we stand to lose. And the second loss is that our children could lose their relationship with themselves. So maybe they stay in the family fold. And I've seen this up close and personal, right? They stay in the family fold. They do the thing that their dad wanted them to do. They choose the career path or the marriage or the family or the sexuality or whatever it was that their parents needed from them. But they kind of die inside, right? They're not authentically who they are. They're not alive. They're not happy. They're not joyful. And they feel like they're wasting their life living someone else's dream. And so if those are our choices, right, either losing our relationship with our child or them losing their relationship with themselves, this is a big one. This is a big threat to our future relationship with our kid. And so my call to us today, my invitation for us, my invitation to myself, and I'm just inviting you to join me here, is how can we start accepting our child for whoever they turn out to be now, today? How can we start accepting who they are today and accepting their future manifestations now? How can we set the stage within our home that you can develop your own self, your own sovereign identity, your own individual and unique and personal path and still be within the family fold, still maintain closeness to us and still be part of our clan and have the safety and the protection and the support of all of us here with whoever you turn out to be. And in parentheses, we can put, well, if you're a murderer, we might, you know, we might have some issues with that. And we will probably have to deal with that in a different way than what I'm suggesting here. But if you um, identify with certain groups, if you express yourself in a certain way, if you're more promiscuous than we might have wanted or less religious than we might have hoped, this is still your home. We are still your people. We are going to love you and see the goodness in you and hold your goodness to light now, five years from now, 20 years from now, and for your entire life? How can we create this sense of commitment that our children know that they are safe with us, no matter what their choices are, and that we won't allow our agendas for them our grocery list for who they need to be and for what they need to do in order to be accepted by us to overpower our unconditional love of them. Can our children grow up knowing that? Can you imagine growing up knowing that? Maybe you did and I'd love to hear about it. Please let me know over on Instagram if that was the case for you um, or in the comments on the show notes because I'd really love to have a conversation around this around what does it take what is the language we need to use what is the energy we need to put forth for our children to grow up knowing that they are okay and we are okay that they can always feel okay with us including the mess ups and the failures and the disappointments and the mistakes and the detours that they take in life they will still be okay with us and we will still be okay with them Here is the extra juicy, deep bonus that I believe we get when we create that kind of atmosphere throughout their childhoods. I believe that when we move past tolerance, okay, we move past tolerance, it's not just that I'll tolerate you. It's not just that I'll still let you live here, right? It's not just that I'll be okay and I won't force you or cajole you or manipulate you or punish you or threaten you um, when you're being you, but it's that I'll accept you. I will love you. I will celebrate you. I will celebrate that you're different from me. Even though you're my child, you're not a mini me. You're not a continuation of me. You have your own path. You live in your own reality. You live in your own world. The world changes and develops. Technology accelerates. People change. Society changes. Norms and expectations change. And I will accept and celebrate that you're living your life in your truest way to yourself. I'll be that guide for you. I'll help you when you're going off course. I'll I'll give you my opinions when you ask for them and sometimes when you don't. I will certainly say when I see something that's off or when I see that you're behaving in a way that is not in not in alignment with your true self, I'll certainly try to be a gentle guide in those cases. And in some extreme cases, I'll have to be more than a gentle guide. I'll have to be a firm leader. I'll have to set real boundaries. I'll have to really dig you out of some messes that you might get yourself into. That will happen too. But through all of that, with all of those realities of growing up, I will celebrate you as a separate and unique individual from me. And I'll accept that you will make choices and identify with belief systems and with groups that aren't what I might have chosen for you or aren't what I've chosen for myself, and that that's okay we can be an example of coexistence in the world we can be an example of inclusivity in the world we can be an example of open mindedness of connection of the human spirit of you know humanity loving and unconditionally loving each other despite our differences and we'll have differences because we're two different people So I wanna make the argument that when we can do that, not just tolerate them, but really accept them on a deep level, we'll also, the byproduct of this is, we'll also have more influence. We'll have a close relationship with them and we'll be able to have our children in our lives whilst they still have themselves. So can I have me and have you too? Can you have you and have me too? Can we be both completely separate with different ideologies, different philosophies, different belief systems and different behaviors, but also intertwined, interconnected in this kind of interdependent relationship? Can we create that level of acceptance? So I wanna invite you to look 20 years into the future, whatever scenario might come up, whatever might come up throughout those 20 years, And can we develop this sense of okayness? I often talk about this concept of okayness. Can we develop a sense of it's okay? You're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. We have a general, cushy, juicy, big, bouncy buffer of okayness in our family. The okayness isn't tight and constraining and you have to break free of it. The okayness holds a big space for us all to be different and goofy and weird and make mistakes and ups and downs and still be okay, still be within the family fold. That is what I want for you and for your child. I believe that you'll grow in this okayness throughout the years and it will hopefully, and I really do believe that this will happen, it will carry us through to a really fulfilling and meaningful adult relationship with our child where we, we've developed this friendship, where we're this guide, but also we're, we're in their corner, we're on their team, we're celebrating them for who they are, not through the lens of who we are, not through the lens of what we want for them and what we believe they need to do and what we are trying to shape and mold them into, but through the lens of, I am doing my best to guide you. I will provide you with all the tools I know. I will give you the guidance and the course correction when things are going off kilter, but you're you, you're your own owner. I don't own you, you're not my child. You're yours and your path is yours and yours alone. And I'm just here to celebrate it and to witness it and to enjoy it and just so honored to be taking a part in it, to being your leader throughout the early years and then your guide a little bit throughout, you know, your adulthood as well, but not, you know, not in any way trying to shape you and, and and you know, round your corners to fit my round hole. If you're a square peg, I'm going to celebrate your squareness and enjoy your shape as different from mine. Just because you have my jeans and my, uh, you know, just because you're in my will, and just because you live under my roof, doesn't mean that you belong to me, and doesn't mean that I get to choose who you end up being or what you end up believing. But it does mean that you belong with me. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.